You're listening to the DGD Podcast. Sponsored by La Touraine. Here's your hosts, Robert Reynolds and Juan Daniels. Welcome to this edition of the DGD Podcast. As always, Robert Reynolds and Juan Daniels. Juan, what an eventful week. What an eventful week. Obviously, listen, uh, if anybody is watching, you know, we're supposed to have Tim Worley. Some things happen. We will get that back on uh, on schedule for you. Uh, so stay tuned. But one, first off, welcome to the brigade. It is Friday. How are you doing, man? I'm, I'm doing awesome. Uh, you know, it, it's Friday. Georgia's still national champions. <laughs> so I, I, I can't complain. What's up to Neil? Good morning. Um, like I'm, just, I'm just looking forward to this. Yeah, just looking forward to this podcast. Uh, I like the way you think there. I'm not going to lie. Obviously, roll call, guys. Roll call. We're doing Bishop Don to Neil uh, so far. And as people come in, we'll let you know. In the meantime, though, Juan, we have talked. So, obviously, we're just going to throw some, you know, what's new with Georgia football, right? It's the offseason. Listen, everybody assumes it's the offseason, but there is no such thing as the offseason, especially here at the DGD Podcast. First things first, it's not necessarily Georgia-related, but it is Georgia-related. Um, Justice Haynes uh, made an announcement last night that he will be playing his senior year at Buford, and I think that rings a bell with you for sure. It does. Uh, enlighten us. What do you think that means for for not only for Buford but for Justice, and how, does, how can we tie this back to the Bulldogs? Well, I, I, I'll tell you, so – one of the things that uh, Justice is going to be able to to do is not necessarily be the workhorse. Over at Blessed Trinity, he was the workhorse. You know, it just kind of reminded you of those those Earl Campbell, Herschel Walker days where you get, you know, 20, 30 carries and, and, and that wears on you big time. You know, Buford has a stable of running backs. They've got a couple of uh, rising sophomores that are going to be pretty good. Um, and then they also have a, a junior and they have a senior Christian Butler who's also going to be carrying the load, too. So. If you know anything about Buford football, last year they they had about four or five running backs. Uh, the the first two, one going to Boston College, one going to Colorado, and then you had a, a, a couple of other guys. One was a uh, another senior um, that was pretty good. He was you know very durable. You know he was he was consistent. And then you had you know, a junior, and then you had a sophomore. So now as you're going to be coming up, Justice Haynes is going to be sharing the backfield. But it's not going to be a lot of wear and tear. So when he gets to college, uh, he's going to be pretty healthy. And then also, too, uh, just at this last practice, just the last spring practice, they had 19 college coaches coming out there to watch. So, you know, to have that type of exposure at Buford for Justice Haynes is going to be awesome. His sister plays volleyball for for my wife's uh, volleyball team. They just won a state championship. So that's kind of cool that, you know, they'll both have an opportunity to go to high school together. I think she'll be an upcoming junior or senior, I believe. So for them to have an opportunity to just to go to high school together is just going to be kind of cool. So it's just a, a, a home feeling for him. And then again, you know, just having those Georgia coaches be that close, you know, to, to Buford to, you know, to, to have an opportunity to see him, speak with him, talk to him. Coach Davis does a, a wonderful job of, of, of putting those guys out there. He's kind of the recruiting guy. It's going to be awesome for Buford, and it's going to be awesome for Georgia. His dad, Veron, obviously went to Georgia, so it, it's just kind of setting the stage. 
for you know some great things to come. I'll tell you what, when I don't even I don't, I'm not from Georgia, but anytime I think of Georgia high school football, you have to look at Buford because of the re, like. It's not even just recent success. I mean, you can look at that, but like any any time you talk to somebody from Georgia and high school football or athletics for that matter gets brought up, you associate Buford and state and state titles like three uh, three peat right current three peat yep. and football. And listen, they also moved up to seven A. I know you had mentioned that before too. So now you look at Justice Haynes, what he's about to bring on the biggest stage of Georgia football, right? Georgia high school football. Biggest stage, 7A. And listen, let's be honest, per capita, Georgia produces the most NFL talent. So you have to know that there's a ton of guys, like tons of dudes. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you look at Buford alone, you can sit there and say it's almost like an NFL, uh, like a college pipeline, right? Yeah. So, you know, looking at that situation right there, you're, you know, and like you said, you're not wear and tear, right? That wear and tear is going to preserve him for his collegiate career. So, Yeah, it's just I'm excited to hear about it, right? I don't know if I'll be able to see it per se, but for me, definitely excited because you know, like you said, they're closer to to Athens, right? If I'm not mistaken. So listen, that's yeah. easier, that's better for Georgia, right? In in that case. Can they pull can they go in there and pull him out of Buford? I think so. Yeah. But but I need to I need to see Georgia get into Buford. And I think you're starting to see that for sure. Uh which will translate into we'll talk more Buford and recruiting, guys. So listen, not only now do you have you know major target Justice Haynes at Buford, listen, you got you got guys like Edric Houston, King Joseph, right? It's, you name it. Yeah, and KJ you, KJ you, Bolden, KJ Bolden, Bolden. Is, is is another guy. So they they've got a lot of they've got a lot of talent. And uh, I tell you what, uh, Georgia could actually come in there and make a clean sweep of some hard nosed guys. And you know, it, it, a lot of people don't realize or they don't know that. Buford basically models their program kind of after like an Alabama. So they lift the same way. They have the same regimen, the same things. And so just know that when you get a Buford recruit, you're getting a solid guy that is not going to be hard nosed, not that's going to, you know, it's not just going to work hard, but his knowledge of the game is just going to be out of this world. And so that just kind of uh, just, just propels them into success coming in. Uh, to uh, any type of college program. You know, that, and I think that's the key, right? When you look at recruits, right? Like there's certain things that you have to take into context with us, you know, with a recruit, like how are they in the classroom? How are they in the weight room, right? Like you have anticipation to, you know, to alter these kids and, and develop these kids once you get them to your school. But like you just said, if, if you have a, basically a high school that prepares like a college, that's less stress if you're if you're a head coach or you know position coach whatever trying to recruit these kids. So you know I, I think you look at it and it'll get him ready for college. It's almost is it kind of similar to like an IMG, but for Georgia specific. Like it seems like it kind of has that feel to it. Like it's no, like not 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 necessarily. And 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 I think there's a huge misconception about Buford and, and what people don't understand is is that academics are first. So you can be an all-star, out-of-this-world player, but if your academics are not top-notch, you're not going to be able to get in. So it is, a, it is a city school, so you will have to pay tuition if you are outside of the city of Buford. However, uh, if, you, if you look at Buford from kindergarten all the, way to, all the way to 12th grade, they are the top five in the nation uh, academically. 
So again, they put a huge focus on academics. So somewhat like a, like a Stanford, you know, they, they do, they put a huge focus on, on academics and then the sports just kind of come in after that. So when you see, you know, we had 12 D one scholarships that were, you know, that, that those, those kids had, don't just look at those scholarships in the, in these D one schools that they're going to look at their grade point average, look at their SAT scores. And that's going to be a huge, big key to, to, to their success. And then also too, again, when I just tell you, these are good kids are going to be students of the game. Uh, that's exactly what you're going to get. So I want to shout out real quick, uh, Moose, what's going on, man. Uh, thanks for hopping on. And Patrick, my man, 63 to three. That's we're always going to be 63 to three. We've had our discussions about the 63 to three. Yep. Listen, I, and obviously as the season comes near guys, if you're wondering about the 63 to three, just go back and watch some previous episodes. You'll get what we're saying, <laughs> I promise you. But, but nonetheless, right? Like you talk about it, right? Like I'm glad you brought that up and kind of shows, you know, the difference between, you know, what Buford brings and what other schools that you might assume to be like college pipeline schools, right? Like you look at it and everybody misconstrues this for some reason, but, you know, it's, it's a student athlete, not an athlete, right? Right. So right. it's nice to see Buford take the student role literally. First. Well, and, and I tell people it's 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 so funny because uh, my older son, who is now he's going into uh, he wants to be an anesthesiology assistant. He's at the, okay. the Emory program. So pretty big. And so his, his grades were phenomenal. He won six state championships at Buford and did not play a single sport. So Good he did Lord. musical theater and he also did chorus. And so it was, uh, you know, something, again, that when people say, oh, that's all you guys do is recruit and you guys do this. You know, if you mean to tell me that we're recruiting musical theater people, you know, I'd have to be like, eh. you know, they, they do. They have a huge focus on academics. And so, you know, it, it, you know, you think about Buford and they had this triple A excellence. It's it's academics, arts and athletics. And so that there's a huge push uh, for these students to be very, very well rounded. So you'll see a lot of these football players there in chorus. I'm a lot of basketball players, soccer players. They're also a musical theater. So they want you to be as well-rounded as you, as you can be. So that way, when you go to college, it just kind of sets you up for, for success. And then it sets you up, sets you up for life. There you go. Listen, pa uh, Patrick, you know, listen, are you talking about me and Juan could do a whole show on 6033? <laughs> this might be something. Patrick, I think you're onto something, man. Yep. Let's yep. Listen, Juan, let's set this up. Let's yes, get this sir. set up. Yes, sir. I'm all all day. See this first. Potential scheduling, <laughs> right? On the show live, guys. All so day. Listen, we'll set it up. We'll even have a we'll debate this, right? We're gonna be 6233, change my mind. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so with that being said, we've talked about Buford, right? And what that means for Georgia, things like that. And as Patrick says, he's all in. Let's do it. Uh, we'll set that up, Patrick. You know how it is. Uh you're a Patreon sub, so you can get access to come on. So keep that in mind, guys. Patreon.com forward slash DGD podcast. But let's talk about NIL, right? It's a huge topic right now. I've, it, I've recently went on to an Oklahoma podcast, guys. If you're not familiar with it, uh, JP and Trav show. Shout out to JP and Trav. Check them out on YouTube. Uh, and one in one instance was bringing up NIL and and, and it got me to thinking, you know, like how important is it for a program like Georgia, right? Because they, you know, they asked my opinion on it and things like that. But I took deeper right after the show and, and I wanted to talk about it here and how Georgia is impacted by NIL. And you look at it and, and there's one way that I'm going to put this that I think 
I hope it correlates to everybody. And it's NFL is greater than NIL. That's how Georgia's mind, mindset is right now. And you know, you look at this point, Juan. Our five first-round draft picks just got a collective, fully guaranteed $149 million in contracts. That's crazy. That's crazy. I want to say Trayvon got like a $41 million with a huge signing bonus, like 20-some million signing bonus or something like that. Yep. That's bigger than any NIL deal you'll ever see, right? That's bigger than any NIL deal you'll ever see. That's my take. I want to hear your take on, on NIL, the current landscape, and how Georgia should navigate the NIL scenario at this time. Are you, are you sorry? Say that again. I apologize. No, no. So, so what I was saying is, obviously, I, I just kind of gave you a brief rundown of yes, how yeah, my yeah, thought yeah, is. Yeah. What's yours? I mean, here it is. Georgia doesn't have to to, to get into all the NIL, and, and you said it just right then. Just the first round draft picks for for Georgia to have six or fifteen people drafted. Uh, that 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 should say a lot for recruiting. That should be something huge, and that should say, you know what, Georgia's not trying to do all the NIL deal. They're trying to get people that want to be a part of something special. And uh, unfortunately you've got the, 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 uh, what is it? Jimbo Fishers who to me are just known to be sleazy guys. You know, you go back to that whole Florida state, Jameis Winston, he's just, he's just a sleazy guy. So yeah, you know, they're going to have all big time money. And then of course you've got Lincoln Riley at, at USC. Who's you know, they're trying to poach, you know, different receivers and they're trying to get, you know, and right now he's almost, you know, at, at the point of being investigated if he's kind of tinkering, you know, with that, with this Pittsburgh receiver. So you, you, you've got these kind of guys that are trying to dangle this NIL money in order to try to compete with the Georgias and the Alabamas. And, and it's actually pretty sad that you have to go to those extremes and you're trying to basically make it like a, an NFL team in order just to compete. Versus saying, hey, guys, you know, we got a we got a great program. We've got something great happening. Why don't you come and join us? And, and you can tell, definitely tell Georgia's not necessarily offering all these crazy amounts of money for people to come play for them. It's either you want to be a part of it or, or, or you don't. And just like Kirby said, you're either elite or you're not. And, you know, you're telling me that in order for you to be elite, you're going to need money. That uh, that doesn't compute to me. You know, I look at it the same way, too. <clears throat> you know, you look at if you, if you want to compare, right, if you want to compare, John Fitzpatrick last year was our third string tight end. Is that fair to say, Juan? Yep. Oh, yeah. He got drafted in the sixth round. Jalen Weidermeyer was the was a projected high draft, half, high draft pick, right, uh, one of the best tight ends in the country. Undrafted. Undrafted. It, it screams it, – I guess you could say it wouldn't scream, but it needs to be looked at, right? What, do, what does Georgia do different than, you know, than A&M in this case? Because Weidermeyer, talent-wise, you would think he would, should be way higher than where John Fitzpatrick left, right? Listen, there was a lot of tight ends drafted in this year's draft. Yep. But it's you – know, but then when you look at Jalen Weidermeyer not even touched in the seven rounds, what's going on there? DeMarvin Leal was supposed to be a top 10, like a top first round pick. He nowhere close by season's end. What's going on? And I'll tell you Man, what it is. It's, look, it's development. Well, and, and look, look, look what Kirby, uh, Kirby's visor said that Georgia's selling titles to recruits. The other ones have to pay 
um, you know, pay for play option. And, and, and that's so true. But just like you said, it's development. And these, you know, Kirby, and, and it used to be the knock on Kirby is, oh, he can't develop these five-star five star players and make them NFL talent. And now you just sit there and, 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 and you broke a record. You have history right now. And I don't think that's going to be touched in quite some time. Yeah, listen, this whole narrative of Kirby can't develop is hogwash. And if you listen to, uh, what's his name? Uh, one of the Barstool guys, uh, Brandon Adams, or not Brandon Adams, but um, whatever his name is, he's a Barstool guy. Basically, was, he went on it on rant on unnecessary roughness. It was talking about Kirby got 15 draft picks, 15, four, five stars and all this. And I'm like, tell me you don't watch Georgia football at least or you know, without telling me you don't watch it. That screams it. It's <laughs> right, just this right. narrative that Kirby can't develop. It's just pushing them in and out, right? Get them in and getting them out is bullshit. It really is bullshit. And I'll tell you why. You look at guys like Jordan Davis coming in as a three-star, Eric Stokes, three-star. Those guys get drafted in the first round. So the logic would be, oh, they're a three-star. They're probably a fifth-round pick, maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah, that don't it don't work like that. Nope, it nope. doesn't work like that. It just screams, you know. You look at and you know what? It might honestly too, and to be more specific, it might not be Kirby as much as it is Trey Scott, and and uh, Todd Hartley, and you know Cortez at the time, or you know whoever, right? Coach B Mac, right? All these position coaches. Yeah, position coaches don't get enough credit especially in the mainstream media, because everybody's so glamored and attracted on to these head coaches and and understandably so. But when Trey Scott just puts three first round D linemen out there, right? Coach Schumann and coach Lanning have a hand in three linebackers getting drafted. That speaks volumes to not only them, but you know, Kirby does get credit for keeping them on staff and recruiting those guys to be coaches. I mean, at the same time, Kirby does develop as well. But people overlooked it. It's just completely under misunderstood this narrative that Kirby himself can't develop. It's just bullshit to me, man. Right, right. I, I, right. Don't, I genuinely don't understand that. Like, and if you talk about it, right, you can look at the narrative of Kirby can't get it done. But even now, that's that's just that's old news, right? Because yeah, he is. just did, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, uh, this G right here, uh, it's called "We're National Champions." Suck mm-hmm. it. Suck it, Bama. Suck it. Just saying. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. you know, it, to me, it's just hogwash to hear all these narratives. And, and even then, they're, they're thrown out the wayside with this draft. This draft, you made history, man. 15 draft picks. You tied for most ever first-round overall picks. So I think it's a four-way tie now. For the most uh, defensive draft, uh, defensive players drafted in, a, in the first round ever. Right? There's just a lot of firsts and mosts. Right. Just saying this whole development, it's out the way now. Right. It's out the way. The whole can't win it all completely gone. Uh, January 10th told me so. Uh, And listen, now is now the obviously, as always, the target's even bigger on your back. Now you get to go out and do the same thing with a, a vastly depleted. Right. And what I mean by depleted, please understand me that I'm not talking about we're just a terrible roster. You lose a lot of talent. Right. Let's be honest. This is what it is but you brought a lot of talent back because they were freshmen yep. and they were sophomores. It, I'm, I'm just and, saying. And, and they all battle too. That, that That's the big thing no too. Doubt. A lot of people don't understand is, is a lot of these guys that are coming back, you know, we, we're beating teams so bad. And this is what, this was one of the things that was a big knock on Rick, you know, Rick, Rick 
would have a team, an all-star team that could be beating teams so bad that your your second and third string guys are playing from the middle of the third quarter on. Well, this is what Kirby did. And this is what he's been doing as of late to get these these players to this point. So now, you know, you you're gonna have, you know, second, third string guys playing against the other team's first string guys that are still trying to compete in the game and put points on the board. And so they're getting an opportunity to to develop and they're getting that experience. And so now it's going to be one of those situations where Georgia doesn't rebuild. We just reload. We may not have the ammunition that we had last year, but I can tell you what, the ammunition that we have is going to be effective enough for us to make another national championship run. Absolutely. And listen, I'm trying to be mean personally. I'm trying to be realistic in the fact that we might not win another national back to back. Right. Let's be honest. Repeating is it's just astronomically hard. It's difficult. It's very difficult. Bama's only done it once. I think Nebraska did it back in the 90s and then somewhere way back when and prehistoric times almost is when it happened the third time. It doesn't happen often. So for me, just getting to the playoffs is a success considering what we've lost, things like that. Now, anything after that, oh, that's that's pure bliss at that point. Um, yeah. 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 So, and, you know, and we're going to have a good uh, – we, we have a great situation. The schedule is set up for us. So yeah. I, I truly believe that, you know, the, especially the way right now that Kirby is, has his team set up, you're either elite or you're not. They know that they're elite. Who cares about what they lost? They know that they're elite. So now the, the schedule set up. We go undefeated, and then we face a, a – a, and who knows, you know, Alabama may drop one to to Texas A&M. Not, not really sure. But I think that yep. we go to the SEC championship undefeated. And even if we suffered a loss there, we have another opportunity to, to uh, get to the playoffs and play for another national championship. I just see it happening that way. I will say this. I don't see this upcoming year being the same as last year. If, if we were to take a loss in the SEC championship game, I think there's a lot higher chance – than what we saw last year of us potentially getting booted out. Because you, you look at all the things that lined up last year. Ohio State had a down year. Michigan took over and finally got it in, right? Uh, you know, Oklahoma struggled. Uh, you know, Oregon fell apart, you know, after they beat Ohio State, uh, you know, but lost to Utah, things like this. So there was a lot of different things, right? At the one point, it was a huge argument to see who was going to be fourth. And, yep. and, and, you know, and most times it's, it's super – it's set in stone who the four are actually going to be, you know, and last year was like that. Right. So it, it worked out for us finishing third, you know, and then you know, things happen. Right. But we saw Bama fall, you know, in my opinion, not deserve to be in the top four, maybe five. And they slide in and not even playing a conference championship. So it, things happen. But I'm just saying, I think you have to look at this year as a little bit different. I don't expect the same thing. The set, you know, all that luck, to, you know, luck does play a part in it. And I think, honestly, you look at that and you could see that, you know, we got third because of that, because there wasn't a true a true fourth team past Cincinnati, right? I think Cincinnati got put in there when they really they deserved it, but the NCAA mm-hmm. didn't want to put them there. Like the right, committee right, right, kind of right. was hesitant to put them in there. To me, you know, look, they deserved it. They, they they'd be you know they took their schedule, played it, they dominated everybody. They did struggle a couple games, but when you go to South Bend and you dominate them, right? The score might tell you one thing: they dominated Notre Dame. Let's be honest. Yep. Yeah, that speaks volumes. Okay. Yeah. That's speaks- yeah. 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 But I do want to hit to the. I want to hit to the brigade real fast. Uh, there's some good com. There, guys. There's some good comments. Keep them rolling. Uh, you know, I saw here posted here. Uh, Vidal, 
uh, from YouTube. Georgia proved a lot of people in this year's draft. It could be, it could have been more first round picks with Nicobe. Don't look away, but it might be the same next year in his opinion. And honestly, yeah, depending on the situation, I think you're right. It was a surprise for me to see Nicobe fall to the third round. It was an absolute debacle for me to understand it. But the, the Eagles got a steal at that point, period, right? Just point blank, period. Um, Chrissy comes in saying, go dogs. Patrick Oliver thinks he's going to have four to five first round picks or sorry, four to five first round dogs next year. And if you're looking at mock drafts, it's fairly fair point to say that, Patrick. It, it completely can't happen. Uh, we get some Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day comments. Uh, scrolling down here to the bottom. You know, just basically, we look at start here. Show idea. Let's have an all-dog, all-time draft show. Might have to have that scheduled for next year at the draft. Yeah. Shall be. But, Juan, let's move on from the NIL situation. You can sit there and go on and on and on about it. It's, <laughs> it's beating a dead horse at this point. But there was an article last uh, – I think it came out last night or – uh, very recently, about the Ohio State AD, right, the athletic director, Gene Smith, openly discussed a possibility while speaking to ESPN. This is an SI article, guys, uh, at the spring meetings. And I want to say that you could see a p possibility for 24, um, which would be very interesting. And for me, I just believe that that's too much too fast. Like you look, you look at the FCS playoffs, right? FCS, or I think it's uh, is it D two? D two does playoffs. No, F and FCS does as well because um, North, okay. North, North Dakota State. Yeah. Yep, they so, just won theirs. Yep. If you've watched those playoffs, right, you have a bunch of home games, right? And, and it's actually entertaining football. Let's be honest. You know that model works, but how would it translate to the top tier? D1. I'm not knocking anybody. Trust. I promise you. But when you go to FBS, it's it's a different level. Different. I just. I'm not saying they don't play good football by all means. Please don't understand that. I just don't see. I see 24 being too much. Obviously, you know we're currently at four, and there's been a lot of talks to expand it. Right. Their talks, you know, are hearing a lot of 12 team expansion. In my uh, in my preference, I think you look at eight. I think eight is that right blend. Right. Because, you know, looking at the model, in my opinion, the theoretical model would be five conference champions, your uh, your highest ranked uh, uh, group of five. Right. Your highest highest ranked group of five. And then two wild cards, two highest ranked teams. Right. Uh, and if listen, if there's if there's a situation right where there is no group of five school in the top 25, then that sixth spot, right, where it was set for the highest ranked group of five, would then turn to three wild cards being the three um, highest ranked teams outside of conference champions. And then obviously set up, a, you know, kind of a playoff situation using the, the New Year's Six Bowls as your playoff games per se. I would love to see a damn playoff game at home and home. You couldn't tell me you'd sit there and say, you know, Ohio State and Georgia between the hedges for a playoff game or – you know, Ohio State and Bama in the horseshoe or some crazy, right? Right, right. It would be insane. But the, the heads above us, guys, understand that money is money. Money talks. And these bowls, right, these neutral side events, make a ton of money, right? And it would be more reasonably split more so. So, unfortunately, we may not see these home-and-home -home games. But the theoretical model of the eight teams, I feel like it adds that perfect blend. And it gives people – 
you know, a chance, right? I think you look at it where right now you're, you have three almost for the most part, right? In its entirety of the playoff area, you've had three teams and then everyone else in the country fighting for one spot. That kind of changes things. And also, listen, those conference champions getting an automatic playoff bid, you worry about the expansion killing, you know, the regular season. If you have a chance to play for your conference championship, that tells me why that's going to make it more at stake. Just saying. Right now, I, I want to get your thoughts on this one before I go back, because I just thought of something. But I want to get your thoughts about this expansion at, you know, to 24. And then what do you take on that? I'm not, uh, tw- 24 is definitely too much. Um, I, I would say that I, I would like a 12. Possibly, you know, you got your you got your top 10 and then you, you know, just have two two at large or two, you know, basically, uh, like you said, maybe a group of five or, or, or somebody else that that wouldn't necessarily get in. Um, but, but the reason that I think that this is so important is because nowadays, especially, you know, with, with the bowl games, it's, you don't have a whole lot of people that are playing in these bowl games. They want to opt out and they're, Oh, I want to go and, you know, work out for the NFL. And and so it's just basically, you know, if you, you know, these teams that are, if you're not in the, if you're not in the national championship, or if you're not in the top four, then basically it's just kind of like, Hey, I'm basically giving up on my team because I'm going to go pursue my other my other dreams. Whereas if you have an eight or 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 twelve, these guys are still having to put it all in, and you're getting an opportunity to see some really really good football. And it's 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 any given Saturday now because again, if you if you have a, a you know, and and to me, I just thought the four were really really poor last year. It was it was automatically going to be a George Alabama. Why even waste time playing against a Michigan, playing against a Cincinnati? It was it was really just a waste. But if you open it up a little bit more, who knows what what type of an upset? Who knows what what happens if if an Alabama's playing a red hot Baylor, or you know, or, or, or Georgia's playing a, a Notre Dame that's just you know re-energized or something just different that give you me, just never know what you're going to get. Give me a Cincinnati Ohio State matchup. Yeah. Or, or you know what though, I, I would rather I would rather see a, a, an Ohio State versus Georgia matchup, yeah. or an Ohio oh, yeah. State versus Alabama matchup. That's going to be because the, those. I mean, it's just going to be red hot because that that Ohio State Utah game that was a sensational game, and that was an it was an awesome comeback. But you know what what happens if Ohio State has their full squad? I mean, they just have three receivers go back to back to back in the first round. So imagine what it would have been like. And then you also add in Jigba Smith. So you've got four dynamic receivers and now they're playing against a, a, an Alabama or a Georgia. And then you've got a great quarterback and you got a good, good running back and, you know, pretty, pretty decent defense. I, I would have loved to have seen something like that versus Georgia versus Michigan, which was just a blowout or an or Alabama versus Cincinnati. I don't even think anybody really cared about those because it was automatically, hey, you know what? Uh, it's going to be Georgia, Alabama. So I, I'd like to see it expanded a little bit more. 24 is a lot. That's just way too much. But maybe, you know, like a, a 10 or even like you said, an eight um, w- w- would be sufficient. Give me, give me Oklahoma. Versus USC in the current landscape right now, that would be the Twitter bowl. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> you are talking about like just put them in Jerry Land, right? Just yeah. put them out there in Jerry Land. 
that stadium would have no issue selling out. Right. Right. It, it would be it would be epic. It would be ninety five five. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it would be ninety five five Oklahoma based off of sheer attendance at their spring game. That tells you what that uh, that energy is like there. I think my Sooner fans might like that little drop right there. But I'm telling you right now. Oh, it would be beautiful because you're looking yeah. at Venable's defense and then Lincoln's offense, right? With no defense, how does that handle out? Oh, yeah. yeah. There would be – listen, with eight teams, 12 teams, I'm telling you, there's a potential for some dream matchups. Yeah, yeah, you're when, right. I'm telling you right now, though, I would love to see a home-and-home home in those in that environment, right? Like, like I said, Sanford Stadium, right? We had it rocking against Arkansas this past year at a noon yep. kickoff. Yeah. Imagine what it would be like under the lights – Against Ohio State for a chance at the national title. How how insane would that be? That yep. would be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and Patrick said he would have loved to have seen the, the dog defense, you know, what they could do against Ooh. that Ohio State team last year. And I think they would have held up pretty well because Michigan did a great job. I mean, Michigan had uh, – it was not comparable to Georgia's defense, but they had a pretty good defense. And, uh, and, and for them to kind of do what they did against Ohio State was actually pretty good. I just think that, uh, you know, we would have probably put some hands on those receivers and, and absolutely smacked the quarterback around a little bit. But I would at least would have loved to have seen just that game. I just think you would have had a bigger draw than you would against a, a Michigan team that was just kind of, you know, they were OK. And then they got you know ran out of the uh, out of the stadium against Michigan State. You know, you would have liked to have seen a little bit better uh, uh, competition than than what you got. No doubt. You know, listen, though, at the same time, though, you look at Ohio State, right? What people don't realize was, you know, I got asked this question Wednesday, right? You know, about how you would love to see Georgia and, you know, and Ohio State, and, and rightfully so, but people, you clamor to the offense versus the defense, right? For Ohio State versus Georgia's defense. People don't look at it the same way in the, or the opposite way. In a sense, you'd have Georgia's offense against Ohio State's defense. Our running game, would would make it kind of a boring game because their run defense was so poor. Yep. Kirby game plan is it perfectly, and you sit there and you watch us run the ball and pass when we need to, and it becomes, in my opinion, it could turn out to be this boring game halfway through the game, right? And then obviously when, when Ohio State's team is on the field on their offense, sure, you get that good matchup. But the other matchup could tone down what you would expect from a last season perspective, right? If you look at 2019 – Ohio State, right? When they had Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, that's when it would get interesting. Yep. That's when it would be. And if you if we were to hypothetically put last year's team against that, it would be interesting at that point. And that would be a game people would want to watch. So yep. I'm going to say, yep. just so happened in 2019, we had a terrible, piss poor offense under James Coley. Sorry, just not work. <laughs> just didn't work like that. So, you know, you know, obviously there's a bunch of these scenarios. One, it would just a playoff expansion to eight would be just super right super yep. You, yep. not only are you giving people right a reason to incentivize winning regular season games and hopes to get to your conference title and win that you know but you also have to you also have to look at adaptability people and teams will adapt right how does that impact you know say for instance if we go to eight or 12 right are you concerned that teams might not schedule tougher out of conference opponents with the incentive to win those games to boost your record for ranking purposes. Do you think that's a possibility? And if so, how would you combat that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely think so. 
And but if you are, if, if you're scheduling weaker opponents or the these FCS opponents, I mean, I, I would make sure that that was a knock against you. Um, when, you know, when we're doing these doing these final rankings, but you you just take a look at, you know, some some of these guys historically, Alabama has always scheduled some very very poor you know, poor non-conference, non-conference teams. But then you take a look at Georgia and seeing what they're doing. I mean, they're coming right out of the gate. They're going right after Oregon. And, uh, and, and to me, I just, I just think that that's great. And those teams should be rewarded for, uh, you know, if, if you're going to actually go and, and, and really truly make a run at it and you're doing it in a, in a, in a fair way, you look at Stanford last year, Stanford did not have one single FCS opponent. They, uh, their, their um, non-conference games were, Kansas State, Notre Dame, and then they had one more that were all uh, Power Five. They had all Power Five. So if you have a if you have a team that decides, hey, you know what, I'm going all Power Five for my for my additional games. I mean, they should definitely be uh, uh, rewarded and looked at as a as a top notch who's actually going for uh, you know excellence versus hey, let me just try to you know get some games under my belt that'll just kind of help us out a little bit. As Patrick here says, George, UJ have ball, will travel week one. Who wants some? I like that approach. I do too. I do too. You know, listen, you'll have the, every situation, you'll have some feedback, right? Some, whether it be positive or negative feedback from whoever's involved. If you sit here, you know, and you make this change, right? You look at, you look at programs that, you know, that have like Georgia, right? Georgia in the, in, the future will be doing home and homes against Oklahoma. Obviously with them coming to the SEC, how that changes, we'll see, but you'll have Oklahoma, you'll have Ohio state Clemson's more on the schedule again, than normal, right? So Georgia has shown an, you know, a knack for going out and getting these home, you know, home and homes scheduled with these tougher out of conference opponents. And if I'm not mistaken at one year, like in the, probably within the next five years, I think it is, you'll see a home game against Oklahoma and you'll play a, a, like Ohio state and shit like that. It's, it's wild. Yep. But if you're yep. a fan of the game and you want to see what your team's really made of, you you will love that that yeah. mentality. Yeah. You you have people. Listen, you're going to have this either way. You're going to have people that want to sit there and just boost stats. And, and I'm not saying a cupcake game isn't important. I'm not. It definitely is important for both teams. But in the scope of the college football playoffs and the potential expansion, right? How do you separate yourself from these other teams, right? Scheduling these home and homes with this tougher premier out of conference. You know, in in my opinion, the committee has to look at this. Mm -hmm. They have to look at this. And if you sit here and you want to complain about it, well, say, look, we've had this game scheduled for three years, four years. Guess what? Georgia and Clemson worked together last year in a matter of months. They bought out the they bought out the FCS opponent or the, the week one opponent, paid them to, you know paid them to cancel the game, and then they scheduled each other week one. Two teams can get it done, yep. right? It it can be done. You know what? Listen, these schools make so much money, right? These FCS schools that don't right listen these cupcake games. And, and listen, if you don't understand the importance of a game, like for instance UAB last year or Charleston Southern coming to Georgia and playing that game, half of their half their athletics department funding can come from that game. Mm-hmm. It means a ton to them. So pay the school, pay the FCS schools, right? You can do that. Pay them to clear that, 
out of your schedule and get a big boy in there. Yep. It can be done. Georgia showed you. In a matter of months, you know, just because you're scheduled years out does not mean a damn thing. If you want to get it done, get it done, find a way. Yep. And that's what, in my opinion, that's what you have to do in order to separate yourself in the potential expanded playoffs. However, like I said, the, the, the strength of schedule, right, should go under consideration by the committee because if, if Georgia goes and plays a hot Ohio State team and then a couple weeks later they schedule an out-of-conference against Notre Dame, right, and they're doing well, and say Georgia loses one to Notre Dame but they beat Ohio State, that loss should not matter as much. It will matter. It will not hurt as much because you're, it's your quality of schedule, right? You look at the NCAA basketball ranking system and how they work it, the quadrant wins, right? I think you could take a piece out of that playbook and try to adjust it to the college football landscape, and that would be a good factor in the ranking process. Right. If you sit there and you have that kind of schedule, right, and you win both of those games, there's no reason why you shouldn't be a top 25 team at that point. Right. You, you just shouldn't. Right. But if you lose and say you're at four, if you're at four and you play Ohio State that's at two and you lose, right, and you went lose close, you shouldn't go from four down to God knows whatever when other teams yeah. are playing cupcakes, <laughs> right? Yeah. You sit there, you drop playing a couple, bad teams, that's yeah. It, and that's it. Because your, your strength of schedule should matter. I think I'm hoping, let's be honest, with Mark Emmert stepping down, I'm curious to see how things change, if it does. Yep. I'm curious to see what changes. We know what the can be made, but will they be made with him stepping down whenever the case is? But ultimately, right, ultimately, I do think that the playoffs will, it, listen, it will come. But at the end of the day, Juan, I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter how many you expand to, the SEC will be involved yep. <laughs> and maybe even more because were you familiar with the the uh expansion talks got got uh, shut down did you hear about why that got shut down no who voted no. against it no yeah the acc and other conferences shut it down i want to say it was acc pac-12 shut it down voted no for the expansion <laughs> you would have thought it would have been the sec no sec would have just put a third team in like more teams yeah yeah so that's crazy Anyways, Juan, that was a that was a lot to talk about, a lot to digest, folks, for those listening and watching. With that being said, though, we're going to wrap this thing up today. We want to wish every single mother out there a happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's so, Day. My mom, my girlfriend included. Everybody, happy Mother's Day. Listen, enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. And on that note, have a great Friday. Enjoy hey, your weekend. One, one, one thing real quick. I just want to oh. give a shout out to... Dr. Mark Mason in Columbia, South Carolina. So he's in the heart of South Carolina country, but he's a big time Georgia fan. I had an opportunity to meet him on Monday. Great guy, uh, unbelievable doctor, pulmonologist. So uh, thank you for the opportunity to, to meet up with you, Dr. Mason. And uh, shout out to my counterparts, Jessica Woods and Haas Cartwright, uh, just giving me the opportunity to meet him. But I love the fact that we have Georgia fans all over the place and especially being in the heart of of, uh, you know, enemy territory and they still stand strong. I just think that that's great. So I uh, just wanted to give that shout out. There you go. Listen, 
Before we go, the DGD podcast is brought to you by La Terrain. Check out LaTerrain.com and use code DGD at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. That, that's all. That's site-wide. Also, got some exclusive content coming your way on the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash DGD podcast. Also, feel free to join our Discord, discord.gg forward slash Bones Brigade. Building that community up, guys. Listen, just talked about the NFL draft. Talk about Georgia. All Listen, it's not even just Georgia fans. You can be a team of another team. You're welcome. It's it's every team welcome here, guys. So with that being said, Juan, enjoy your weekend, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to do the best to enjoy mine. Everyone else do the same. And we will catch you all on the next episode. Go dogs. Go dogs. Thanks for listening to the DGD Podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and to the DGD Podcast YouTube channel, where you can watch live Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the DGD Podcast. And check out the website at www.dgdpodcast.com. 